Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director, and this is The Daily DC. Thanks so much for listening. Today on the podcast, is Donald Trump helping Joe Biden? That, to me, is the big question around the current state of the 2020 Democratic race, which obviously has been supremely focused on the gun violence, the mass killings that occurred in Dayton and El Paso over the weekend, and the rise of white nationalism and white supremacy in America. I don't think anybody would argue that it should have been focused anywhere else. But as all the Democrats who are running have come out with very forceful statements. And I do think we're seeing a difference here. I think you could sort of uh, plot the changes in political responses to these mass shooting events over the course of the years. As horrific it is to say that that can actually be charted. But I would say that with the Las Vegas shooting a couple of years ago, that was the end of people offering thoughts and prayers and thinking that that was going to be sufficient. I don't know any Democrat in that moment who waited even a millisecond before demanding action to try and curb this epidemic in America. Of course, in addition to offering thoughts and prayers. But offering thoughts and prayers was sort of the way in which politicians responded to these events. And then there would be some moments of time that passed, whether it was days or maybe a week or so. And then the conversation around gun policy in America would would take place. That is over. The conversation around gun policy is taking place instantaneously as these events occur. And I think that was an initial shift. I think now you are also seeing Democrats who even at the beginning of the Trump era would allow a president with whom they agree on nothing that they think is terrible for the country, allow him to fulfill his presidential role of attempting to give words of comfort to the country. That's now out the window also. And I think that's a change that we've just seen, I think, this this time around with these two horrific events in, in Texas and in Ohio. Because while the president was able to read words from a teleprompter, even calling out white nationalism, something he hasn't done much of before, there's no credibility with those words, specifically with Democrats and, of course, with those running for president. You could sort of say, well, isn't that just normal in politics? Yeah, but it's actually not normal. There is now a moment where the president, when reading that speech, is putting words together that may to some seem presidential, but it's impossible to view those words on any score other than they don't match how President Trump conducts himself day to day on Twitter or at rallies and giving comfort to a an ideology of hate. And so... That, I think, is what you see sort of the pretense around that 
is now gone from the American political discourse as well. And and this is, you know, there are certain circumstances like Beto O'Rourke being from El Paso, Texas, having served on the city council there, getting off the campaign trail and going back home and being with his community and watching his raw uh, rage and anger and sadness and grief on display, certainly giving him sort of a moment to give voice to what many Democrats around the country are feeling, saying doesn't want President Trump to visit. So there's this the political moment inside the human moment and the policy moment. It all sort of is occurring uh, simultaneously. Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Steve, I mean, you, all the candidates have responded, but the, and aggressively so. I mean, getting themselves on television, wanting to call out the hate, wanting to call for a change in gun violence in this country and getting gun safety policies enacted. All of that is existing and will continue to exist tomorrow. Cory Booker, Steve Bullock rolling out speeches on this subject matter. But here's why I go back to where I started the podcast, which I said is Donald Trump helping Joe Biden. I said that because Joe Biden sat down with Anderson Cooper on CNN yesterday for an interview, an exclusive interview with his reaction to this. And I want you to hear Joe Biden describing his response to this moment and where he sees that Donald Trump has contributed to it when Anderson Cooper asked him for his uh, reaction to these events. Here is former Vice President Joe Biden. If that's the case, I mean, it is a very dangerous game then that he is playing. Oh, no, no. There's no question it's a dangerous game. There's no question that his rhetoric has contributed to at a minimum, at a minimum of dumbing down the way in which we as a society talk about one another. The way we we've always been. Look, we've always brought the country together. We've never, you know, we the people, we hold these truths self-evident. He flies in the face of all the basic things that we've never really met the standard. We've never abandoned it before. He looks like he's just flat abandoned the theory that we are one people. That is Joe Biden in real time responding to a real world event that everyone is paying attention to being able to get back to the very rationale as to why he got in this race. You'll remember he launched his candidacy by using Charlottesville uh, and the president's comments about fine people on both sides. He used, That was the launch of his campaign. Every day on the trail, he says he's running to restore the soul of this nation. And so when the soul of the nation is ripped apart, when the very fabric of the country is frayed, as it is in moments like this, Joe Biden stepping in allows him to sort of be far above the whole 2020 Democratic primary. And, and that will still play out. I'm not suggesting Joe Biden has the nomination locked up. But this allows him a moment to get back to his core reason for running. It refocuses, uh, it, it reaffirms his entire rationale. And that is very helpful to Joe Biden politically. And I think we see it. I think we see that, you know, he took that hit after that first debate in the polls. We saw a decline. But what did we see when he bounced back up? Well, we saw Donald Trump tweeting racist things about the squad, the four freshman congresswomen of color, talking about sending them back to their country. We saw Donald Trump talking about infestation in Baltimore and, and Elijah Cummings and how no human would want to live there. And now we see Donald Trump's inability to heal a nation because it's his very rhetoric that the killer is 
pointing to as one that echoes his beliefs and ideology. And so there's a lot of talk inside the Democratic grassroots about a need for a real revolution and real change. But in the candidacy of Joe Biden, it is talk of a restoration to normal, of halting this fraying of the fabric of America and trying to heal the soul and save the soul of the nation. And so in this context, you see Joe Biden able to still stay, you know, two times ahead of his closest opponent in the polls. I mentioned the polls because the first post-debate, post-Detroit debate, the second debate, the CNN debates last week, poll has come out. It's from Quinnipiac University. And it does show just that, that Joe Biden remains in the lead nationally with 32% of uh, Democrats or Democratic leaners. The movement in the poll is Elizabeth Warren shot up six points, Kamala Harris shot down five points following the Debate. So they they moved the most from the Quinnipiac pre-Detroit debate poll to this Quinnipiac post-Detroit debate poll. In this poll, Senator Warren is sitting at 21 percent. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is sitting at 14 percent. And Kamala Harris is down in fourth place at 7 percent in this poll. And remember, she was at 12 percent before. So a significant drop for her, one outside the margin of error of this poll. But as you know, and I've talked about often on this podcast... The core to Joe Biden's support, I mean, demographically, we know it's seniors, it is uh, moderate conservative Democrats, it is he has advantages with uh, non-college educated folks. So he his demographics are pretty clear here. And then, of course, the most important demographic to his support, demographic to his support is the African-American vote among Just to give you some data on that, among self-identified moderate or conservative Democrats in this poll, Biden's at 43 percent, Warren's at 11, Sanders is at nine, Harris is at four. I mean, he he is overwhelmingly four times the support among moderate conservative Democrats as his closest competitor there, Elizabeth Warren. So that 32-point lead among moderate conservatives is obviously much greater than the 11-point lead he has over Warren in the overall. It's interesting. Warren and Biden are basically splitting the white vote evenly. He's at 30 percent. Warren's at 27 percent. Sanders at 10 percent. Harris at 8 percent. But the black vote, again, it's just not even a contest. Biden is at 47 percent. Sanders is in second among African-Americans at 16. Warren is at half of that. She's at 8 percent. And Kamala Harris is at 1 percent among African-Americans in in this poll, uh, African-American Democratic primary voters. So his coalition, African-Americans, moderate conservatives, older voters, they're not looking for some big revolution. They're looking for the restoration of normal that Joe Biden seems to be offering, at least for now, in this snapshot in time. The other thing where he has his, you know, biggest advantage is asking people, which candidate do you think has the best chance of winning against Donald Trump? Forty nine percent of Democrats and Democratic leaners in this poll say it's Biden. Twelve percent say Sanders. Nine percent say Warren. Six percent say Harris. Nobody, not one of them, has ever cracked 15 percent on this score. And that was, I think Harris got 14 percent. 
of Democrats saying she was best equipped to beat Trump immediately after her successful first debate performance. But not one Democrat has cracked 15 percent of the score other than Joe Biden, who on this score, he was at 56 percent when he announced at the end of April. Uh, It took a dip to 42 percent, still said he was the best to beat Trump after his widely panned first debate. And then pre-Detroit debate, it was 51 percent of Democrats. Post-Detroit debate, 49 percent. He basically stayed the same there with with half of Democrats saying he's best equipped to beat Donald Trump, meaning he's at 32 percent support in this poll. There are people supporting other candidates in this poll who think Joe Biden is the one that is most likely to win against Donald Trump. So those are potential available voters to him. So this is the the post-debate landscape. Biden's still in the lead. Harris moves down, Warren moves up six points, and on to uh, round three of the debate in September after a month of a lot of in-person early state activity that the candidates will be doing. Now, I gave you my or a theory of the case as to why Biden is hanging on to that core support and why he is still the front runner in this race. And there's this other piece of the interview he did with Anderson Cooper that I think explains this as well or helps to explain it. There may be a lot of fresh faces. There may be people who engender more enthusiasm among their supporters than Joe Biden does in this Democratic nomination race. But there are few people in American politics who have the ability to express empathy the way Joe Biden does because of his own life experiences and because of the way he connects with people. And so when there are great, horrific, tragic moments in America... And the country looks for a healer in chief in its president. And President Trump has already proven he is incapable of doing that, no matter how well he reads words from the teleprompter. Doesn't mean he won't get reelected. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that is not something he is going to be able to do because of his own rhetoric that that has proven to play a role in the fraying of the social fabric in America. So it's hard to then also be the one to stitch it back together. But Joe Biden, this is his skill set. I don't even know if he has a close competitor to it in, in today's American politics on the Democratic side. And when Anderson Cooper asked him about his own personal experience with grief and how you get through it, you you can understand in that moment what that means to be a healer in chief, that expression that is used for the president of the United States at these times. And it's just one of those traditional roles of the president, yet again, a traditional role of the president that President Trump has just tossed aside. Like that is not how he views the presidency. It's not how he it's not where his skill set is. And he has his own words and rhetoric that make it impossible for him to be a unifying force. Uh, Now, I'm not suggesting Joe Biden is not a partisan and that he would not he is not politically polarizing and certainly will become more so as he stays in this race, because that is what happens to politicians in the pit, in the thick of it all, in the ring, in the arena. But I am saying that when you hear him talk to Anderson Cooper about grief, you can understand that despite a bad debate performance or maybe seeming wobbly or off his game or at times or fresher faces in the nominating race having more energy around them from their supporters, 
despite all of that, you can see why he still sits atop the polls. It's not just name recognition is what I'm positing here. It is that Donald Trump provides a context where the rationale for a Biden presidency, a Biden candidacy, as he has launched it and portrayed it throughout, so consistently and authentically so with what he's actually selling to the American people, you can understand how Trump's actions and words help Joe Biden make his case. Here is how Joe Biden talked to Anderson Cooper about living with and through grief. You've experienced losses that, that no parent should ever experience. I'm going to El Paso from here. Um, we'll likely be talking to family members whose child or sister or brother or mother or father has been killed. As someone who has been through that and lived through that and lives with that every day, what would you, what do you say to, to the people who are grieving right now? You understand it. You lost your brother. You understand. It's uh, it literally, uh, it really takes a part of your soul. I mean, it, it is. Um, and what I tell people is that uh, um, it's going to take a long time. But the person you lost is still with you, still part of you. And I remember thinking to myself, my God, well, I mean, I didn't, I just remember being so angry, angry with everything. And I shouldn't say it, but angry with God, just angry. And I remember, and people would come up to me and say, meaning well, after I understand. Hmm. And you feel like saying, you have no idea, you have no idea. You know they mean well. But the people who, in fact, have been through it, you know they understand. Mm. And it gives you solace that they made it. They just, you just want to know, can I make it through? Is two things. One, he said, get a piece of graph paper and mark every single day how you felt from one to ten that day. Mm. Because you know and lost your brother when a thought would come to you after a while, you'd be down and just as down as the moment it happened. Mm. And he said, don't look at it for six months. Mark it on the graph paper, one to ten. The downs will be just as far down, but you know you're going to make it when they get further and further and further and further apart. You still get down. It never goes away. But it never goes away. But, but, that's when you know you can make it. That's when you know you can embrace the family members that are left. That's when you know that you can make a contribution. That does it for this edition of The Daily DC. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in again right here tomorrow.